Wednesday starts the second half of their season this weekend. It's homecoming versus Illinois at Beaver Stadium. I'm your host of the BWI Daily Edition, Thomas Frank Carr. Uh, today is a perfect time before we get into a deep dive on the Illinois side of things later in the week. We're going to take a look at the second half of the season as a whole and do a little bit of projecting. Uh, I have with me today... Dave Eckert of Blue White Illustrated, one of our writers at Blue White Illustrated, he's going to be giving you the answers to my true or false statements. We're going to play a bit of a game here, Dave. I'm going to ask you questions. You're going to answer them. The only difference is that this is not interrogation because you have the option to not... Well, actually, you don't have the option to not answer. You have to answer. So it is kind of an interrogation. Are you ready? Yeah, I am. I've got my crystal ball out. You know, I'm ready to not go 1-0 this week. Um <laughs> I'm ready to go. Want to know three weeks from now, and you yeah. guys all have to watch. So it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, that's the be- that's the beauty of it. You know, we obviously cover Penn State football, and we are very uh, embedded in how they view the world. And a lot of what we do is we pr- we tell you, give you the opinion of the team and how they view things. But that's not how we have to operate. We don't have to be one to know. So first off, I'm going to read you the whole schedule right now so that everyone's on the same page about these predictions. It's not just. Illinois this week at home again that one uh everyone's pretty aware of and I think people are painfully aware of October 30th at Ohio State is the next game after that uh it's at Maryland then home versus Michigan then home versus Rutgers and they end the season fighting for that beautiful land grant trophy that is 400 pounds at Michigan State in East Lansing so that is your schedule uh, are you excited about the land grant trophy should be a much better game than it has been in the past against MSU yeah it's it's 400 pounds worth of halfback dives and very good defense T Frank so <laughs> it's it's there is no more valuable trophy in all of sports get get the Get the Lombardi Trophy, yep. get the World Cup Trophy, get the College Football Playoff Trophy, get it out. I don't even want to see it. Yep. That trophy is all I care about. Yeah, um, it is, uh, it's made of strategic punts and yes. toughness. So there you go. <laughs> and I think maple when I saw it the other day. Uh, so it is, it, it, it's, it's to end the season, but we'll start with a broad view of this uh, second half of the season. And I'm going to ask you true or false statements, like I said before. So let's get to it. Penn State, here's your first question. We'll be able to overcome the loss of P.J. Mustafer. True or false? I'll go with true. Um, and But I do want to caveat it. I, I don't think that P.J. Mustafer's absence is going to be an absence that Penn State won't feel. Um, he's a very good player. He's been very good this season. Penn State, it's, it's, it's going to have an impact. But I guess I don't think that Penn State will cease to be a very, very good defense because they've lost one piece. Um, I think there are uh, players who can step up and fill that hole, and I think that there are very, very good uh, players at every level of the defense. It's it's a unit, right? It's not like you're losing Sean Clifford, which they, they you know, we can get to that. But uh, uh, they it's did, not like, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it, he's not a quarterback, you know. Right. He's part of a unit. Um, a unit that has very, very good pieces to compensate for his absence. So I, I, I think I think they'll still be a very good defense. They'll feel his absence, but they'll still be really good. Who's the guy that you think is going to step up in that role of a very thin, very young defensive tackle rotation behind P.J. Musfer and Derek Tangelo? Who, who is the guy that you're looking at that is going to have to play more snaps and play better than they have in the first half for that to be true? Yeah, well, the the third guy all season has been Devon Elise, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's who you would expect. 
to join Derek Tangelo in that in that uh, pair there. Um, and he's played some meaningful snaps, right? He's not mm-hmm. just he's not just playing in garbage time. Penn State has trusted him um, to to play at important moments, so I think you can feel pretty good about him. Obviously, again, he's got to he's got to up his level a little bit because he's probably going to be the guy now. Um, but yeah, he, I think you can feel all right about him. He's not PJ Mustafer, but he's a, a talented young guy who's gotten some experience this season. So yeah, I guess. When you're talking about depth, uh, that's that's a pretty good option, I think. Yeah, and, and one of the things, we talked about this yesterday on the Daily Edition, of the way they're going to directly replace P.J. Mustafer is the way that they've been spelling him all year anyway, and that is with Derek Tangelo. So I would assume that he's going to go more full-time to that role of being the quasi-nose tackle, or as close as you get in Penn State's defense, and then the young guys are rotating next to him. The thing that they're going to miss and the thing that, uh, you know, I think is a fair thing to say about the second half of the season, they won't be able to be as complex up front. At least, you know, we'll see if this this bye week helped those young guys from the the mental aspect. But one thing that happened when in the middle of the game against Iowa, they had to simplify some stuff, play some gaps straight up instead of stunting and and trying to, you know, out leverage the Iowa offensive line, which is what they try to do schematically. So if they're not able to do that, there's going to have to be more one-on-one wins up front. But as we saw in that game, that is something Ellis Brooks, especially against the run, is capable of doing. So they should be able to as long as certain players elevate their level of play down the line. Next question for you. We're going to stay on the defensive line. Arnold Ebikidi has had a very good start to the season. First six games, he's been one of the best defenders on the edge in college football, especially from a pass-rushing standpoint. So we're going to take a look outside of him. Jesse Lucada, in the second half of the season, will match or outproduce Ebikidi in terms of total pressures on the quarterback. True or false? Yeah, I'm going to go false on this one. Um, If you look at those numbers for... Uh, the first half of the season, Arnold Ebikidi has 25 pressures and Jesse Lucetta uh, has nine. Um, so I guess, you know, my my answer is just kind of a, it, it, it's hard to see that flipping, right? That That's a big gap. And look, we know that Jesse Lucetta hasn't played defensive end all the time. He's played some linebacker, um, although, you know, that that's certainly trended more toward defensive end as the season has gone on. Um, but yeah, I'd, I, I would expect uh, Arnold to to continue to be Penn State's top pressure guy. He hasn't shown anything to indicate that that's that's going to stop to me. Yeah, the the way Jesse Lucetta, I've seen this kind of play out on film, is Jesse Lucetta being a hybrid position is as much propaganda as anything of uh, Penn State, I think, in general, is more multiple on defense, which is a good thing. They're playing more odd fronts. They're less predictable in how they line up. But Lucetta really has been lining up at the edge of defender position all season long. It's just whether or not he drops. And I don't I don't consider that a linebacker position. He's not playing off the ball very often. The only time he did is when you didn't have your captain in the middle of Ellis Brooks, and he had to go back into that role. So, yeah, I, I the more time at defensive end, the the better he might get. He has the physical skills to be on that level. And I guess that's why I asked the question. So do you think that from a learning standpoint, he's had enough time to get into the position and let some of that come out over the second half? Do you think he'll get closer? Or is this more along the lines of what you see from him this year is what you're going to get? 
I, I don't think that what you've seen for the first half is absolutely what you're going to get because as you mentioned right i mean you expect people to get better at anything not just football um right you know as they continue to do it more so i i don't necessarily think that jesse is is you know he's going to get nine pressures and no more next uh, in the next six games i don't necessarily think that's true but i do think that um he's he's gonna have a hard time filling that gap that's a lot um and look, Arnold Ebiketti is a really good defensive end. It's tough to yeah. match him. That's that's not for for Jesse Luqueda. It's your first year really doing this. I, I, that's a difficult bar to reach. So I do think that we can expect him to improve, uh, but I don't necessarily think that he's going to be on uh, Arnold's level. So again, this is Illinois week. And Penn State plays Rutgers in this second half of the season. So that is the that is that is the the framework around this question that's coming up next as we stay on the defensive side of the ball. The Penn State defense will pitch one more shutout so far this season. I'm limiting this to the starters. The starters in one game will give up zero points to a Big Ten East opponent. True or false? I'm going to go with false, and this doesn't this isn't a statement toward the quality of the defense or me saying that. The defense isn't as good as we think it is. I just think it's really hard to shut out a, a team. It, it, it asks a lot, not only of your defense, who has to play essentially perfect football and probably get some timely takeaways, as we saw with Penn State against Indiana, but uh, it asks a lot of the offense not to turn the ball over and, and you know give, give the opposition good field position. It asks a lot of your punter. Um, so... Pitching a shutout just requires just this overall masterclass in in, in complementary football, that the, the buzz term that James Franklin loves to use. That I just think it's 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 hard to do and it's it's hard to predict. You know, if you gave me, you know, some odds on this, if we're gonna maybe tie this back into a, a betting uh, a, a betting atmosphere, I guess I, I might take it if you gave me some decent odds. But as far as predicting it to happen, I don't I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. And if I were any other person, I would make up some odds on the spot, but I, whew, I am woefully unprepared to do that as a person. <laughs> so we'll move on from that. Uh, so the next question, we're going to shift to the offensive side of the ball. And this might be the juiciest bait to chum the water with for our fans. Uh, Penn State's rushing attack will statistically produce more yards from the running backs in the second half of the season. Yeah, this is a tough one. Right? <laughs> there, there's a variety of things that can go into this, and I'm, I'm trying to explain this in a way that I think will get me yelled at the least. But <laughs> Don't um, do that. <laughs> go all in. Hot take land. No, um, tell me what you're thinking. I, I, think, I think it's false. I, I don't think they'll be better. I, I haven't seen anything from Penn State's running backs to, to indicate that that's true, right? It's, it's, there, there hasn't really been this sparkling, like, thing of hope for the for the running game and now you know you're, you're looking at a passing game that isn't necessarily going to be uh super threatening if sean clifford isn't playing um and even if he is he might be limited we don't know um so i i think that penn state's running game is going to suffer as a result uh you know maybe maybe they end up with more yards because they decide that they're going to run the ball more um but i don't see them being more efficient um, I just, I, I don't, I don't see where it's coming from. I, the, maybe, maybe something clicks, you know, it's possible, but I'm just not, I'm not there. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a really fair way to look at it. And that's what I was going to bring up of, they might run the ball more and, and they may have more opportunities. The one 
outlier that I'll give you as far as kind of a wild card here is if Noah Kane was able to become healthy over that uh, break this past week, then I think that there's a chance that his efficiency as far as finding the holes, being able to play in space a little bit better, that might improve. And, and any little bit of leg drive he gets, he maximizes. So just not being physically incapable of breaking tackles might be a spark for the Penn State offense. Uh, but yeah, I think as far as the offensive line, you make a really good point of the running game in general. I think for the most part, it's going to be what it's going to be, and it might get a little bit harder if Taquan Roberson is the starter, which brings us to the next question. It's almost like I planned this. Sean Clifford will play the majority of the snaps in the next six games. True or false? Now you're really trying to get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> I will say true. Um, he's we, we don't know what the injury is. Um, this is not coming from any, you know, inside information. It's just a guess. But I will go with true because he's had a bye week. Um, I guess it, it's hard for me to see him missing three more games. Maybe he, maybe he will. I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not privy to what's going on with him. Um, but my guess is that he will play the majority of the snaps. Yeah, and, and you and I are in the same boat. We're just going to go ahead and because we can go 1-0 and we can speculate if we want to, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Uh, we have never seen Sean Clifford in a sling at any point, so we know reasonably at this point that it probably wasn't a shoulder injury. Um, I've been speculating that it's a rib injury. James Franklin said it's an injury that players of that position deal with on a regular basis. Now, separated shoulder can be that thing. You know, Baker Mayfield's dealing with that currently, so it doesn't... It doesn't preclude that. But at the same time, I think the rib injury is is more common among quarterbacks that play from the pocket. So uh, that is not an injury that it sidelines you for the season. And then it becomes about pain tolerance and risk. And for Sean Clifford, both of those, he is going to err if it's his decision on the side of playing. So as long as the doctors uh, in this speculation are okay with that happening, I, you know, I think that that's a fair assumption to say that he'll play the majority of the snaps over the next six games. Now here, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to thread this needle a little bit over the next two games. Does he see any snaps in the any? starting lineup? Yes, man. Uh, any being more than one. I'll go with the yes. Again, okay. it's just a guess. Remember, this is a guy who, just he, he's he's just he, he's a fierce competitor. Um, he once broke his hand because he he punched something after not hitting a weight uh, like a, a weightlifting benchmark that he wanted to hit. I think that was his freshman year, uh, maybe his redshirt freshman year. Um, so you know, <laughs> this is a real this is a really intense guy. If he can be out there, I think he will be. Um, so we'll see. yeah, uh, that. But I'm really putting you on the spot today. I'm putting you in some tough situations. And you know what? Speaking of uh, improving throughout the season, you're doing a phenomenal job, man. You are dancing like an <laughs> expert around my questions. Uh, next up, we have uh, leading off those previous two questions, Jahan Dotson will go over 100 yards receiving in more than three games to end the season. So in more than half the games, he'll reach 100 yards uh, as a threshold. True or false? Yeah, I, I, I have no real reason to dance here. I'll go with True. I just think he's really good. I believe in his talent. Um, if Sean Clifford isn't playing, then maybe we re reevaluate this one. Um, because, again, that's that's going to impact his, his ability to throw down, to 
make catches and just be a receiver, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think he will. I just think he's really good. I think he's Penn State's best player on offense. I think they need to get him the ball. Um, even if Taquan Roberson is the quarterback, I, I think you know he's going to be more equipped to get him the ball than he was in the second half against Iowa when Dodson wasn't really a factor. Yeah. Um, I just I, I really like Jahan Dodson. It's hard for me not to bet on his talent. My my only concern is that even with Sean Clifford in the lineup, it only happened twice in in the first yep. half of the season. And and part of that, and this is what I said in in the show uh, yesterday, is that teams are scheming to take him away. And and yeah. if you want to take away one player as good as they can be, you can do that. So that would be the concern. And then I I think the short game is not the issue. He has been the Penn State rushing attack as much as anybody else, as much yep. as Sean Clifford has been. So it's it's those deep balls, and that is a hard thing. Uh, to make sure that you're able to do that. But as long as the offense is operating and, and if we think Sean Clifford is going to go and play the majority of the snaps in the second half of the season, I think there's enough games where you can get over that to four games over 100 yards. And that will help, especially you know knowing what his profile is, his draft stock, all of those things, postseason awards, people look at stats. And if he finishes strong in the second half of the season, regardless of the reason why, whether or not it was his fault to begin with or not, that's going to play a factor in, which is one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up. Because if that's one of the reasons Jahan Dotson is not seen as one of the best uh, receivers in college football, we have some indications as to why. Because people, when they don't watch film, they just look at stats. Uh, next thing. Considering everything we just talked about, some more broad true or false questions. Penn State will match their 5-1 and one record to start uh, that they had to the start of the season in the second half. True or false? I'm going to go with false. Um, Ooh. Yeah, I know. I'm just really, I'm asking for it today. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think they're winning in Columbus. Um, I, certainly, I don't think they're winning in Columbus with Taquan Roberson. With a limited Sean Clifford, I think that might be difficult. Um, and with a full strength, John Clifford, I think that's difficult. Ohio State has figured it out a little bit here. I think that's a just, I just don't think that's happening. Um, you know, and then you look at the other games. You've got Michigan State on the road. You've got Michigan at home. Um, Maryland on the road. Uh, you expect to beat Rutgers at home. Um, Illinois, I think, is kind of as close to a cakewalk as you get in the Big Ten. Uh, yeah. But, but again, it's, 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 it's just tough because... I have a hard time just thinking, again, accounting, hedging my bets a little bit with Sean Clifford. It's just tough to predict another five and one stretch, um, considering the opponents that are on their schedule. Yeah. But certainly I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I just don't necessarily think it's the most likely outcome. Michigan's defense to me is the deciding factor. Michigan's defense and Michigan State's explosiveness in the rushing game, where they've been pretty they have some they have some legitimate speed weapons at Michigan State. At least from what I've seen, I haven't done a deep dive there, but those two teams to me are 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 the coin flips. I think as good as Talia Tungavaloa can be, I don't know that that team in general is going to be one that can beat Penn State, especially if they keep blitzing and trying to play man coverage. I don't know that that's going to work against Penn State, especially if, you know, we both are reasonably assuming Sean Clifford is going to be back by that point. So it really comes down to those two games, and uh, Michigan's defense is very good. 
So that would be what I'd be looking at as far as one of the reasons they don't. But it might be four and two, and that's a pretty good stretch too, considering you did some of that without your starting quarterback. Uh, it could and, also be six and zero. Oh, you know, that's yeah. not matching five and one. So there you go, Penn State fans. Don't yell at me. I could also be predicting <laughs> that. Uh, well, okay. So as as uh, here's another question: If Penn State had caught Ohio State early in the season, do you think w- that? It's it's a disadvantage in that sense of maybe Penn State had a closer gap early when they were playing well and Michigan and, and Ohio State was was kind of figuring things out, especially on the defensive side. Or is it the familiarity between the two would negate that? I don't know. I, I, I definitely believe in momentum. I know that's a thing that people who analyze the game with numbers and people who are really into just, you, you know, and hardcore factual analysis i don't think that's a thing that they like to to acknowledge but i i definitely believe in that so if you're penn state and you're five and zero, and you're going into ohio state and you're playing you know a, a buckeyes team that lost to oregon that hadn't looked great in a couple other of their other games i definitely think that you're in better shape than you are after you've lost the game especially considering you don't know your quarterback situation um and Ohio State has started to roll. I, I do think that momentum matters, especially in college football, where these are all young men who have who who have have to have their confidence massaged in a sense. Uh, so I, I think that matters. So yeah, I, I do think when that game takes place, or hypothetically, if it took place earlier in the season, I think that's something that would have had an impact. Yeah. So let's take a look at, uh, we're, I'm done. You're not on the hot seat anymore. We're going to take you off the hot seat. We're going to have some more open-ended questions here for the second half of the show. Before that, though, visit bluewhiteillustrated.com for the latest Penn State football and recruiting news. Join us inside the Lions Den Premium Forum for more insider info as well, which some of the topics we didn't get to today. Maybe, maybe you can find there. So, uh, the October issue also out newsstands features Penn State's freaks list. And if you're listening on the podcast, I just did a bunch of side eyes. So, you know, the topic we might be talking about if you're what if you're watching on the if you're listening on the podcast, you might want to go to the premium forum to find some information about some of the machinations outside of the football field. Am I being subtle enough, Dave? I think I think you're nailing it. Your, okay. Your foot is firmly on the line. Okay. Uh, Also, the October issue on newsstands featuring Penn State's Freaks list and other exclusive content. Learn more at bluewhiteonline.com or by calling customer service 800-421-7751. And if you want to see more ridiculous side-eyed gags that I do here on YouTube with Dave and Greg and Nate and everybody else that comes on the show, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page, youtube.com backslash bluewhiteillustrated. Who doesn't want to look at my terrible hairdos? that I have at least twice a week here on the show. So subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm doing a great job of selling this, Dave. <laughs> I think your hair is fantastic, Keith Frank. You we know, talked it's, about this before. It's the but it's it, so I here's the thing. If you have curly hair, people just immediately assume you're sloppy. Like there's nothing you can do about it. I have curly hair. Uh and I, but it's the number one comment I get of like you didn't comb your hair and I'm like this is what it looks like. This is it. Like, there's variations of this. I just try to pile all of it on top of my head while I still have it, and then we go from there. But it is, it is. I, I, I have to laugh that some people are like, "You didn't get prepared to be on camera." I'm like, I sometimes if I, you know, if you are on camera, I put makeup on if I need to. So you think I'm not preparing to be on camera? That's a little bit silly. Anyway, 
Let's talk about Penn State football in the second half of the season. I want to talk more about your makeup, too, Frank. <laughs> I have so, well, you know what? I can I can hook you up with some stuff. You you don't need a lot. It's not like yeah. we're on TV. You don't need a lot. I can I can help you out with that. Uh, we we'll get you some lighting too. I feel yeah, like I'm I was <laughs> gonna say. I think my camera situation in general might do the makeup's job for me. That's a fair point. Uh, oh, and uh, beards help. By the way, that's mm-hmm. it's getting fall. So one of my true or false questions. Actually, I'm gonna throw it in here. David Ecker, we will see the beard back on Dave's face by the end of the football season. Are you a fall beard guy? I so here's my thing. As my hair gets longer, right? I have to I have to get rid of the beard because the longer my hair looks, it just looks outrageous with the beard. Okay. Short hair, beard works. Long hair, beard doesn't work. So I'm like, I I, I actually just got rid of it this morning um, okay i'm about halfway between haircuts right now so it's not really a, a long it's not really like a, a season thing mm-hmm. um but, but i will go true you will see the beard back see we're talking about male grooming on the show today and we haven't even mentioned manscape which by the way we're going to be getting to a little bit later this week so just stay tuned for that uh our questions with dave eckert second half of the season predictions here on the blue white illustrated youtube show uh how close does penn state get to the top four of the college football playoff when everything is said and done um i think they're in the top 10 i think they're okay. in a new year's six bowl i don't i don't know about um you know they they might be on the i, I guess just the, the ohio state game being two weeks from now you know if they lose that game it's it's kind of difficult to see them truly contending because they're a two loss team they're probably not going to make their conference championship game unless ohio state explodes um so you know if they lose that game, I think I think that dream is kind of done. But I I, I do think it toward the end of the season they'll be in the top ten. So I, I guess my my thought behind this question is let's say things go according to the realistic but positive outcome. So Penn State lost versus Iowa. They lost their quarterback in that game, and the college football playoff committee from what they say, doesn't take just win and loss record into account. They look at the whole picture. Uh, and then they play Ohio State traditionally close like they do, but they lose, even if in that game it's 30-20 to 20 or something like that. And in the end, it looks comfortable, but it's closer the whole game. And those are the only two losses of the season. Does Penn State get to the top six knowing that the college football playoff committee might give them the credit for lo- not take the Iowa game into account as drastically and really they're a one and a half loss team if that makes sense is is that a realistic place for for them to be that going into the final weeks depending on the winning and the losing ahead of them they might be an argumentative case for a two loss team in the playoff i think they can get into the top six okay i don't know about the top four in that scenario unless you're alabama or clemson or georgia i don't know that you get exceptions made for you um, that way that's a fair and, point you know i i i think there definitely is some some uh editorializing going on there yeah. but uh, i i you know it's tough because it's it you don't know what teams are going to do right mm-hmm. is is penn state better than an undefeated cincinnati right. maybe but but are they going to get in as a two-loss team over undefeated cincinnati no they're not you don't I, think I, I, no, you don't think no. given given the strength of schedule heading down the stretch and the fact that Penn State, if you look at their season in totality, has one of the toughest schedules in the country, yeah. like every other week was a ranked game for them so far this year. But we see we see Clemson 
every year play nobody and it doesn't matter, you know, True. and, and great. Granted, it's a technically a power five conference, the ACC. Yes. But I, I think that with Notre Dame on the schedule uh, for Cincinnati, um, I, I think that their strength of schedule would probably compare pretty similarly to those Clemson schedules when, you know, and on right. really down years for the ACC. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't see that happening. If, if maybe it would for two loss Alabama. Um, actually, I think it probably would for two loss Alabama. I, yeah. I, I'll get rid of the maybe. Um, but we know that Penn State uh, doesn't always get that benefit of the doubt. So, I, yeah, because I, I mean, UCF there. had the similar situation and, right. and they were they were frozen out of the playoff. I don't remember if there were any two lost teams. I don't think there were. But, you know, the point being that being undefeated and not being in the power five doesn't have the same sort of cachet. But you're you're right. The Notre Dame win was pretty mm-hmm. critical That's for okay. them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so next question. Can this team go toe to toe with Ohio State? And let's assume just for the theoretical part of this conversation, that Sean Clifford, even if in the limited capacity, is back for that game? Then, yeah, the answer is yes. They can they can play a competitive game in Columbus. Uh, definitely. Absolutely. I would not expect them to get blown out. Um, whether they win that game, again, I don't really think they're going to win the game. Um, I think their offense is one-dimensional. Um, and I think that really good play defenses um, with really, really good athletes all over the field can capitalize on that. Um, and, and look, Ohio State's offense is going to get theirs, right? Yeah. yeah. Penn State's defense is really good, but again, that's one of the few offenses in the Big Ten that has the athletes to match. So, it, you know, Chris Olave and, and, and that offense is Garrett Wilson. They're going to get theirs. They just are. You're not going to hold them to 14 points. So I, I have a hard time saying they'll win, but they can definitely go toe-to-toe. They can definitely make that a competitive game. They made it, you know, a respectable outcome last season when they were awful. Yeah. Um, Penn State plays Ohio State tough, so I, I would expect that to continue for sure. So let's look at two more facets of the second half of the season, and uh, I want to ask you about the Penn State offense in general. You mentioned they're one-dimensional. If you could tweak or evolve Penn State's offense within the realms of what they're working with, not, again, magical fairy dust to fix something and make the offensive line bigger, faster, and stronger, but, like, if you could tweak or evolve something for Penn State after their self-scouting bye week, what would you do? Is there something that you've seen that you don't necessarily like or something that you think they could do a little bit differently? Yeah. Again, it's it's tough without knowing. I'm just going to operate under the assumption that John Clifford is going to play. I don't think that's necessarily a great assumption, but yeah. just for the sake of the experiment, we'll, we'll say that. Um, I would just say that it, I, I might even just run the ball less because I just don't think it's working. I think you, mm-hmm. you run the ball to the extent that um, you need to in order to ensure that there are spaces open for you to do other things. But other than that, I just don't know how much you do it because how, how often can you continue to pound the rock without the rock cracking? You know, I just, yeah. I, that might be what I would do. But especially in important games, um, because where you can't waste plays. So you do what you need to do to set up the passing game. Other than that, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I would continue to go to the well. If there's one thing I would do, uh, if it's in any third and short situation, you're bringing in your Wildcat quarterback. 
because mm. this is this is and it's something I just actually just thought of with you saying that about the running situation is you do have to find a workaround. And I've never been a fan of Sean Clifford on QB draws up the middle on third and two because it relies on your halfback to block. And anyone outside of Devin Ford has not been doing that very well. And when he has been, as much as it's been impressive, it has been against corners and slot corners. We're not talking about taking on a linebacker in the hole like a fullback. So if you're bringing in um, Tyler Warren into the backfield and he is a legitimate threat to throw some simple routes in third and two I don't care where it is on the field not just goal line bring him on the field see what happens because at this point and I I am not a fan of the wildcat I've never been a fan of this but you do have a new, an interesting wrinkle here with a guy that yeah I, I think it's a little bit overstated but he was a high school quarterback so it's not like you're working with when it first started you're not working with Ronnie Brown who was a running back his entire <laughs> life and never threw the ball at any point ever so, you know, I think that might be something that you can work with in those third and short situations. But, yeah, trying to continue to solve that problem to me is where you're going to get the efficiency in the run game so that you get more cracks at it with Sean Clifford in the passing game. I think we're in, in agreement there. Final question for you. What are the key factors for the second half of the season for Penn State football? And if you say Sean Clifford, I'm going to ask you for a second one. Health. <laughs> uh, I'll keep it more general. Um yeah, I think I think health on the defense again, not Sean Clifford related, um, is a big one um, because it's not just PJ Mustafer. Um, you know, we're thinking about Jonathan Sutherland as well, and, and that that group has played a ton of snaps. They have played some really physical games. I, I think their ability to you know can keep that up and and just continue to play well despite having to be on the field a lot is really important. Um, outside of that, uh, again, solving the short yardage situations on offense, whether it's with Tyler Warren, whether it's with actually figuring the running game out, whether it's with abandoning, abandoning the running game in that situation, um, whether it's the tight ends getting more involved, which again, it might be something uh, that we need to talk about because they haven't been very good. Um, so about that, not to derail this uh, no, to, with another question, uh, because I promised you one more, but the, the tight end situation, is that a product of opportunity or is that a product of they haven't been as as advertised, so they're not getting those opportunities? I think they're struggling to run block. Um, so I, I, I think that is just kind of out of the sphere of opportunity. But in the passing game, um, I mean, you saw Brenton Strange had two important drops. I think one of them might have been deflected uh, against Iowa, but still. Um, you know, this, they haven't necessarily taken all of their chances. Um, yeah, I, I think they need to be better. Maybe they need to get more involved, uh, especially if, as you said, teams are starting to take away Jahan Dotson. Maybe they need to emerge as kind of that next weapon, and, and, and Mike Yersich needs to get them involved a little bit more. But I also don't necessarily think that they've been great when they have gotten chances either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's that's been my problem is that the chances are a part of it. The volume of chances. There have been times they've been open, but for the majority of the time when they have been targeted, they have not gotten great separation. And that to me is I think a, a key thing about this group that you were expecting with the amount of athleticism that they have. And I guess that's always kind of the uh cautionary tale, right? Is that as as athletic as you want to be, 
being able to play the sport, knowing the techniques of the position and executing those uh, matter just as much, if not more in the end, as as that does. Uh, any final thoughts about the second half of the season or about Illinois? Do you want to talk a little bit about Illinois to wrap up the show? What have you what have you seen so far this week that you're thinking about heading into James Franklin's press conferences this week and then the game proper on Saturday? I think they stink, T. Frank. <laughs> I think they're really bad. That's why it's um, at I, the end of the show. <laughs> um, they here. I, I'll pull up just their total yardage uh, stats, which should give us a nice, uh, a nice indicator of just how awful they are. Um, they are averaging three hundred eighteen point four yards per game on offense, which is the second worst in the Big Ten, behind only Iowa, Iowa. Um, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> And, and then on defense, they're allowing the most yards per game in the Big Ten at 429.1. So they are not good on either side of the ball. That we uh, Penn State might be getting their backup quarterback, which is Art Sitkowski, formerly of Rutgers. Mm. Um, some of you might remember him for being not very good also. <laughs> um, so I, I think uh, I think this is a game that Penn State wins comfortably, whether Taquan Robeson is the quarterback or Sean Clifford is the quarterback or Tyler Robeson or Tyler Robeson. Tyler Warren is the quarterback. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, they're bad. Yeah, they are. Uh, I was watching some of the film earlier today, and the good news is, uh, from a schematic standpoint for Illinois fans, I think they're doing the right things. They're calling the right plays. They're, they're schemes versus coverage. Their defensive philosophies, while I don't agree with them, I understand why you're running some of those defensive fronts, because you're trying to find an advantage when you're not as talented. The problem is they're not talented. They, and and uh, Bo Pelini said it this week of like, I don't think there's anybody in our two deep that the previous staff recruited that's making any sort of impact on our team. And that's a problem. So basically saying none of these players are very good, which is is really like, is he supposed to say that, Dave? Is he like, I know it's the thing that everyone's thinking, but it's like saying the quiet part out loud, isn't it? Yeah, I don't. uh I don't know that's that's the way you get the guys in the locker room juiced up. Maybe maybe that's his approach to it. Um, they kind of remind me, and again, like there are a couple football programs that remind me a lot of Penn State basketball, and that they're one of them where they're just constantly like they, they're just constantly trying to do more with less. Yeah. Um, Indiana football used to be like that, maybe not anymore. Um, yeah, it's just not it's not great. Um, maybe maybe Brett Bielema can get it turned around. I don't know, but certainly this year, they're I they're not coming to Happy Valley and winning a football game. <laughs> that being said, make sure you tune in all week to hear more about Illinois and you tune in for the BWI Live postgame show after the game. Please just just check in. We're going to give you a lot of great information, and I promise it won't be just when I do my after-the-game analysis that Illinois is bad. I will give you more than that on the post-game analysis of Penn State and Illinois. But that'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. Dave Eckert joining me today. Dave, thanks for coming on and making uh, this a good time. I've, I've had fun today. Yeah, thanks, Steve Frank. Appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss the BWI Daily Edition or our recruiting podcast. Or, again, like I said, our live shows coming to you live 15 minutes after the final whistle of Penn State and Illinois. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>